0: What do you see? Our eyes are used to seeing that which is good for us. Opportunities. For our business. For our career. For our enjoyment. But as the author of Hebrews said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. What do you see when you look at the cross? Pain? Loneliness? Despair? There are many people suffering who do not understand that Christ has taken all of this upon Himself. For this reason, we want to challenge you. Choose a person you can make a commitment to for a year with the purpose of presenting Christ to them. This can be a friend, your boss, or a neighbor, anyone, someone you will walk alongside, pray with, and help throughout the year 2020, with the sole objective of modeling the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Who do you see?
1: Hello, friends, I want to welcome you to this space once again. This is a space where we are seeking God together in order to find hope for everyday life. And if you've been with us, you know we've been in this series of sermons called uh, Focus One. Today is the season finale for Focus One. This is the last talk of this series. But just because the series is ending, it does not mean that the challenge ends, The challenge to be a disciple who makes disciple is still valid. It's still going. It's still current. So don't give up. Keep on pursuing that mission that Jesus Christ has commissioned us, which is to be a disciple that makes disciple. In this last talk of the Focus 1 series, I want to talk to you about a very important topic that fits into everything that we've said thus far, and that is, Authenticity, I want to talk to you about authenticity today. I don't know if you have the opportunity to watch this TikTok video that has gone viral in the last couple of weeks. It's a video of this regular dad just riding his skateboard down the street, holding a bottle of cranberry juice, sipping on the bottle while lip syncing to a Fleetwood Mac song. Uh, the video has had 27 million views so far the lead singer of Fleetwood Mac has actually recorded his own Ocean, Pre- Ocean Spray, the brand for the cranberry juice, has their official and official commercial out of that video. He, that guy probably made a lot of money. They gave him a brand new truck uh, just because of the video that had gone viral. And the reason why it has gone viral is because it's authentic in an in inauthentic culture and world of social media nowadays. That video was a breath breath of fresh air. Uh, Somebody just sending like good and positive vibes in a season and a time that's characterized by a lot of negativity. You cannot be who you are not. All right, if you're sitting there in your living room with somebody today, look at them and say, hey, you cannot be who you're not. You have to be. Who you are, who who God has created you to be. You are a unique person. Oscar Wilde used to say that uh, be yourself because everyone else is already taken. I want to read you today from a passage in the Gospel of John in chapter 15. Uh, These are the words of Jesus. Right before he is betrayed by one of his disciples and goes through his sufferings in his passion. Jesus addresses his disciples and he gives them a word of authenticity. In this passage, Jesus talks about fruitfulness. So I want to invite you to read with me John 15. We're going to read verses 1 through verses 13. Will you read it with me? Jesus said, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that I may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. This is the word of the Lord. I said in the beginning that you cannot be someone that you are not. But if you are, why are you not demonstrating who you are? In this passage, Jesus speaks to his disciples a lot about fruit. Why? Because by the fruit, you know the tree. And as disciples and followers of Jesus, there's got to be demonstration of our lives of that. And the more there's demonstration, there's authenticity. And when there's authenticity, there's impact, just like that video that went viral on TikTok this past week. Today, as we think about this topic of authenticity and and fruitfulness, I want us to look at three things. Number one, I want us to talk about the necessity of fruit. Why is fruit necessary? Secondly, I want us to talk about the meaning of fruit. What does Jesus mean when he says that we ought to be producing fruit in our life? And then thirdly, I want us to talk about the uh, prerogative or the requirement for fruit. What is required of us in our lives in order for us to produce fruit? First, the necessity of fruit. In this passage, Jesus gives us a beautiful picture of what our relationship with him ought to look like. He says here in verse one that he is the true vine. He depicts himself as a vine. And he says he's the true vine, why? Because Israel was also known as the vine of God. You read Isaiah chapter 5, it's right there, which means that in order to belong to the people of God, you had to be grafted into Israel. But now, with the coming of Christ, in order to belong to God, you no longer have to be grafted into a particular race or a particular people group, but into Jesus. And the Father is the vine dresser. He's the one who cultivates that, that vine so that it may flourish and it may grow and it may be produce fruit for the world. Uh, Jesus, in this passage, he uh, depicts us as a branch in that vine that's grafted into that vine. And he says that the ultimate proof, whether we are truly connected to him, the true vine, is that we produce fruit. Disciples of Jesus bear fruit. There's no way around it. That is consistent with what Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 7. He says, uh, you will know my disciples by their fruit. They do not produce bad fruit like the religious Pharisees, but they produce good fruit. It's consistent with the message in Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says that when someone is in Christ, that person has the life of Christ, the Spirit of Christ lives in them, and, and they produce fruit. There is fruit. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it's consistent with what James, the brother of Jesus, writes in his letter. He says, Faith without works, and maybe we could add their fruit, with, faith without fruit. Is dead. Now, one of the things that Jesus says is that to those branches that on the outside may appear that are connected to me, the true vine, but are not producing fruit, the Father who is the vine dresser, who is seeking the welfare and the full flourishing of that vine, he will cut off that branch. We read in verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the Father, takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. It may seem like such a really strong and harsh and radical uh, statement from Jesus, but if you think about it, it makes total sense. Why is that that the Father will cut off branches that are not healthy, that are not bearing fruit in the vine because an unhealthy branch compromises the health of the whole vine. An unhealthy branch takes the nutrients away from the branches that are healthy that are producing fruit. An unhealthy branch slows down the fruit-making process of a healthy branch. Jesus is talking uh, to us here about this idea that has become so prevalent in American society, which is consumer faith, consumer Christianity. People that go to God because he is useful, because they think that he has something to give to them and add to their lives, instead of people that are going to God to get God himself because he is beautiful. Jesus had a lot of people during his earthly ministry life that went to him just because They received things from him and not himself. They went to Jesus not to get Jesus, but to receive material things from Jesus. I already think about this passage still here in the Gospel of John in chapter 6 after Jesus, you know, uh, 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 feeds the multitudes by multiplying just a few loaves of bread, thousands of people. And the text tells us that after he completes that feeding uh, miraculously, he, he walks across to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is a lake, if you know the Sea of Galilee. And that multitude is still following Jesus around the lake. And Jesus turns to them in verse 26 and says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. The reason why you're following me is not because you want me, the unperishable bread of heaven, but you want the material bread that I gave you the night before. He is talking here about people that, uh, you know, come to God with a list of things. People that are part of the body of Christ, the visible church, but are there just to get something out of it. When they walk into a church, instead of asking the question, What is it there that I can give? How has God blessed me so that I can bless others? Can I give of my time? Can I give of my talents? Can I give of my treasures? Instead of coming with that type of posture, you know, people, they come into the church with the posture of, What can I get out of it? How will this church? Serve my needs? How will this church serve my my tastes and my wantings and my desire? And I want to have a very specific word with all of you here today. I think that we as a church should be trying to serve you to the best of our ability. We should have the best programs available in order to serve your family, to serve your marriage so that you are growing and flourishing spiritually. But the ultimate idea is that we serve you in order to equip you so that you would go out and bear fruit. It's not just to make you fat and satisfied and served. The idea is that you are equipped in order to share with others, in order to give to others, in order to provide for the needs of others. What I'm able to give always ought to perceive what I am able to get. Brothers and sisters, friends, you were born again to bear fruit. You were born again to reproduce, so do not settle for this consumeristic version of Christianity. Dallas Willard, one of my favorite writers who wrote The Great Omission, he writes this. He says, consumer Christianity is now normative. It's normative in America. That's how we shop for churches. The consumer Christian is one who utilizes the grace of God for forgiveness. He takes the benefits of the gospel and the services of the church for special occasions, but does not give his or her life and innermost thoughts, feelings, and intentions over to the kingdom of heaven." Such Christians are not inwardly transformed and not committed to the cause. May you not be this type of person because a true follower of Jesus, a true disciple of Jesus, someone that shares union with Jesus, he bears fruit. Fruit is necessary, extremely necessary. That leads us to point two, which is the meaning of fruit. Okay, say, pastor, you're talking about this whole idea of fruit. Um, But what does Jesus mean when he says that we ought to bear fruit? What types of fruit are we to bear? Uh, Jesus gives us a great clue here in verse 11. If you were to go to verse 11, we read Jesus saying this, I have spoken to you, these words, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus is saying, I'm teaching you and reminding you of the necessity of fruitfulness in in your life and in abiding in me because I want you to have joy. I want joy to be the outcome of this relationship that I am uh, describing through this beautiful metaphor. And uh, obviously the clue here is that Joy is one of the characteristics of this fruit that the Apostle Paul later in Galatians Galatians 5 talks about. So if you think about a fruit I have here with me, an apple. Uh, Let's say, you you know, you went to a place in the world. I can't can't imagine a place like that, but if you went to a place in the world where uh, the people that you were with and you were visiting, they had never tasted an apple before, okay? And uh, they were asking you, uh, man, I've seen pictures of apples. I've heard of people that have eaten apples. Did Adam and Eve eat an apple? I don't think so. But they would ask you, man, what does an apple taste like? And, you know, obviously, you can't just give a simple answer to that say, you know, it, it tastes sweet. That's it. You have to say it's, it's crunchy. It's sweet. It's a little tart. This is what the aftertaste is like. Sometimes it sticks in your teeth, and between your teeth. Um, it has small little seeds on the inside. Uh, these would be the descriptions. Uh, maybe you would have other descriptions, but that's how you'd probably describe an apple to someone that had never tasted an apple before. There are different characteristics about an apple. There's complexities in the taste of an apple. And in the same way, the fruit that the Spirit of God produces in us has different characteristics. One of them, Jesus says, is joy. Joy is one of the characteristics of of the fruit, but but so is love, and uh, so is peace, and so is long-suffering, and so is kindness, and so is goodness, so is faithfulness so is gentleness, and so is self-control. These are all characteristics of the same fruit. These are not different fruits that we bear, but characteristics of the same fruit that disciples of Jesus produce when the life of Jesus is in them. And so the first thing that we begin to understand about this fruit that Jesus is talking about is these inward qualities He's not talking about, you know, that his disciples produce outward fruit. In other words, they are very charismatic towards people and they're gatherers of people. And um, when they speak, a lot of people listen and come to faith and they have big churches and big ministries and they reach all these amazing goals. No, that's not primarily how Jesus and the New Testament. Describes fruit. These are inward qualities that the Spirit of God in this new life that's within us produces. Now, I do believe that these internal aspects of the fruit that the Spirit produces in us by the new life that's now living in us is demonstrated externally and outwardly as well. The fruit does not only showcase inner health, but also outer health. Think about this, think about an apple again. A tree, think about an apple tree, does not produce the apple so that it can eat or consume the apple. The tree does not cannibalize its own fruit. The tree does not produce fruit for itself. And it goes back to Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2 when God created all things. Trees are producing fruit in order to nurture and uh, to sustain animal life. That's why God says to Adam and Eve, you know, you have all these trees here in the garden and you ought to eat from every tree except from this one tree. But trees were created by God to produce fruit. That's one of the reasons, to produce fruit so that animal life is sustained. Also, trees produce fruit so that it can reproduce its species. Like if I, if I were to cut this apple, let me see if I can cut this apple right here. All right, that was harsh cut. But you would see that inside this apple there are seeds. Every fruit carries Reproductive powers, because inside every fruit, there are seeds. And likewise, we as believers, we are to produce fruit. The, fruit. the fruit that is produced from our inward life is for the sake of others, so that others will be nurtured and sustained Spiritually. Think about someone that is loving. They care about the physical and the spiritual needs of people. Think about someone that has joy. That person is contagious to others. Speak of of a person that has peace, that has peace, inward peace. That person has wisdom and discernment that can serve others. Somebody that does well with suffering. Long suffering. That person teaches others how to go through suffering. Somebody that's kind and good demonstrates the generosity of God towards others. They're always trying to meet the needs of others, they're patient with others. They're not forcing change on people's lives. They're able to walk alongside those that they have invested. This year, and that you know, because they've bought into this focus one challenge, they're patient with others. They're faithful. They're loyal to people, regardless of how uh, people may treat them. They're by people's sides. They believe in people. They walk alongside others, and they're gentle with people. And they exercise self control. They have the right words for the right time. They don't give in to temptations and vices. And and therefore they're beautiful displays of what the life of Christ ought to look like for others. And by that they inspire others also to seek and to follow Jesus. You get me? Internal health is demonstrated in outer health. Internal change is demonstrated by outward change. Internal fruit is demonstrated by external fruit. If you have inner fruit, you will have outer fruit. And so here is the call for all of us to cultivate our inner life. As we go about fulfilling this Focus 1 challenge, We want to cultivate our inner life. We don't want to focus on methods. There's good methods for evangelism, good programs for discipleship, but the main focus for all of us should be cultivation of our inner life, seeking to have an emotionally healthy spirituality. Because if you take care of your heart, if you take care of your soul, if you take care of your inner life, fruit will naturally be visible in your life, and others will be nurtured by it and impacted by it as well. So that's the meaning of fruit. But what is the requirement for fruit? I think I've already hinted in this last point, the requirement for fruit. And and, and there's two things here that Jesus talks about as requirement for, for this type of fruit that ought to be produced in our lives. First, The first requirement is pruning. In verse 2, I'm sure you remember uh, what Jesus says in verse 2, but I'm going to read it again in case you don't. He says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Right? We talked about that. But then he says, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. To the healthiest of branches, God, who is the cultivator of this, this vine, He wants to see that branch be even more fruitful than it is, but in order for that to happen, he needs to do something that is at times very painful, which is pruning. St. Augustine in the City of God wrote that uh, God is always trying to give us good things, but our hands sometimes are too full to receive them. The reason why we can't experience the best that God has to give us is because sometimes our lives are cluttered with other things. Sometimes there's all these mini branches that uh, come out of the main stem of our lives that are things that take away from the life of God in us, that water down the life of God In us. And sometimes these things are not necessarily bad things, but they just take too much of our time. Such as work and image and career and accomplishments and you know, all sorts of things. They become the center focal point of our lives. And they're like these little branches attached to us that's watering down the main nutrients that's necessary in our branch, in our lives, in order to produce. Great fruit. So God needs to go there at times, and he needs to take some of these things from us, and, and it's painful. It's painful. It hurts when God touches areas of our lives that, you know, life is flowing to. But he says, look, I am not taking away anything that's a loss to keep and a gain to lose. Now, this season has been a season of great pruning, For many of us. Some of us are still hurting, like our branches are bleeding from a hundred different spots because God has come in and he has pruned things that we thought were necessary, but all that they were doing is they were robbing the life of God from us. And I want you to accept that, that God may be pruning you today because He is in this season preparing you for great fruitfulness. Do not despise the work of the vine dresser in your life in this season because he wants you to have more of his life in you. He wants better fruit. He wants you to be more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, that you would do better with suffering, that you would be gentle and good and kind so that others would benefit from your life. He is preparing you for great fruitfulness. Believe that today. He is pruning you. That's necessary for great fruit. That's one of the requirements. Well, the second requirement here and the last one that I'll talk to you about is that we must abide in him. Here, I don't know if you've you've noticed, but uh, from verses 4 through verse 10, Jesus in every single verse except for verse 8, he gives us this command to abide in in him. And he says there that you can't do anything, you can't produce any fruit unless you abide in him. You can't try hard enough. You will not produce this type of fruit unless you are abiding in him. You know, and I and I like you to reflect upon these words of Jesus because abiding here comes as a command. While I am not required to do anything in order to produce this fruit, I am required to choose to abide in Christ and not in other things. Many of us abide in other things, other sources of, of life and energy. That's where we draw. Some of us draw energy from our kids or from our work, from, from politics. Those things are not necessarily bad, but they're not meant to sustain our souls. They're not meant to produce the type of fruit that the Spirit produces in us that ends up serving others. We must make a choice to abide in Christ. That's what the Christian life looks like. That's a, the work of resting in Him and resting in that which He has done for us in the life that He shares with you. He says, abide. He says, Jesus says, Abide in my words. That's what it means to abide in Jesus. Is to remember his words. What? He says there in verse 12 that I have loved you. Man, what would our lives look like? What would your life look like if you were constantly abiding in that truth that you are loved by God through Jesus Christ? If you woke up every day, imagine, and the first words that came out of your mouth were, I am loved by the creator god of the universe. I'm going through hard circumstances. I have a very difficult meeting, I have very difficult decisions to make. I have I've slept on this criticism that I have received from a boss or an employee or even a spouse. But you know what? I'm going to start my day choosing to believe that I am loved by the creator god of the universe. And I can believe this truth because of the proof that he gave us of his love. In verse 13, what does he say? He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. One of the things that we cannot question from God is whether God loves us or not. How can he not love us if he gave his life for us? So we're called on an everyday basis, on an hourly basis, on a minute-to-minute basis to preach to ourselves this truth that we are loved by the creator God of the universe. You know why? Because our hearts tend to forget this, and when our hearts tend to forget, and when our hearts forget this truth, we begin to drift away from the true vine, and then we begin to wither. You want life, fresh life. You want fruit. Abide in Him. Remember His words, but also, it's very important that you remain that you remain in His body. In verse ten, Jesus says, uh, "Here is one other way that you can abide in Me and abide in My love is by keeping or obeying My commandments." What commandment is this that Jesus is saying that if you obey, you will abide in my love? The answer is verse 12. This is my commandment. Look, that you love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus here is obviously talking to his disciples. He's talking here about his body, the church, those of us who are grafted into this vine, the true vine, which is Jesus. We are to remain connected, you cannot flourish in an individualistic faith or Christianity. You cannot expect to produce fruit, inward fruit and outer fruit, this fruit that starts inwardly and expresses itself outwardly, unless you are connected to the body of Christ. Now, this is a season where many of you have drifted away. And I know it's, it's hard kind of like remain connected when everything we do is digital. Now, we are coming back to live gatherings. Churches all over the world are coming back to live gatherings. And I know of people that because they've stayed away for five months or six months, they have lost that habit of congregating with others, of being in community with others. They're not used to uh, corporately worshiping with others. And I'm not saying that we ought to break the distancing rules and all of that. No, none of that. We're doing all of that very responsibly here at Crossbridge. But you must stay connected. And if you're not ready to even come to our live gatherings, that you would, you know, do that online. That you would worship with us online. That uh, you would share with others. That you would meet with your community group online. That you would find out ways to serve and to give online of your time, of your talents, and of your treasures. You must not disconnect. If you do, you will wither. But here's what I believe. Because you are a true branch, because you share union with Christ, you will strive to pursue that life. You will continue to strive to pursue that life And much fruit will come out of it. Because you cannot be who you really aren't. But you are branches connected to the true vine. And therefore, the Spirit of God is at work in you. And you will produce fruit. Let's pray with me. Uh, Father... Uh, We are grateful that you have given us this opportunity to reflect on authenticity and fruitfulness. Father, we understand that it's absolutely necessary to produce fruit as followers of yours. Father, we understand the type of fruit that you want us to produce. This is inward fruit that manifests itself outwardly. And, uh, And Father, we know what's required. And Father, we therefore, we do not want to neglect reminding ourselves of the truth of the gospel. And we do not want to neglect staying connected to your body. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.